Network. Disney threatens the service formerly known as Twitter. Elon Musk stands up to monetary blackmail to nervous applause during an interview. Now the left will respond and they don't play nice. Ask Alex Jones. And you know what Musk and Jones have in common? It's been proven they both tell the truth. And so do we. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And here's your dose of fact for the day with Dan Newman. Well, that's a novel idea that you just get compared with other journalists based upon whether or not you tell the truth. Isn't that something everybody in journalism is supposed to do? For that matter, let's just dumb it down a little more. Isn't that what we're all supposed to do? Just be honest. Man, think about it just for a second. Probably never looked at this way about telling the truth. When you tell a lie, especially if you're among a lot of different people from day to day, you tell one person a lie, you tell another a lie. When you go back after you've done that three or four times and you see the first person you told that lie to, you got to remember real quickly, what version of the lie did I tell them before? Because you certainly don't want to be pegged as a liar, Adam Schiff. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. Man, is it getting hot in here, or is it getting hot in here? What in the world is going on in the United States of America? Well, I think we can all answer that. We're looking at it play out in different ways across the nation, different places every day, pretty much. But the focus of our government right now is basically on two spots, the southern border, especially the Texas southern border, and Washington, D.C. And there are so many moving parts just in those two places alone. And think about the other things in the United States, places and things that are very, very important, all these sanctuary cities that have seen hundreds and hundreds and thousands of illegals being dropped on their doorstep for them to take over. They have had enough. And then Governor Greg Abbott in Texas, what he has done is epic. This will go down in history, I promise you. We're going to wade into that. We've got some experts that are going to weigh into that this morning. And then there are so many other things. We haven't even remembered and talked of late about what's going on between the Hamas and Israelis and that war over there. And then we still have the Ukraine war going on. Do you know that every day, even if and when we don't talk about those places and those things, they're still happening? And everything that happens in foreign countries, almost without exception, if it's bad over there, we're going to be involved in it somehow, some way. On the show today... I'm not going to get into the details right now, other than to tell you this. If there's any way you can find uh, an opportunity to listen live for the two hours today, I challenge you to try to do so. And if you can't, I understand, you're busy people. If you can't listen, just make sure that sometime after you get to a point where you can download today's podcast, you do that. Because there are some things there you don't want to miss. We've got so many people you're going to hear from this morning. It's going to be a bell ringer. So we're going to get started right after Earth, Wind, and Fire. 
different than the music that we hear today. Earth, Wind, and Fire. They were one of the greatest bands. Dance band, they were called. They just had great music capabilities. And man, when they did it, whew, everybody, you couldn't sit still when, when they performed. They were amazing. Well, how are you doing? Is everything okay? Did your week, is it going to end okay? You've still got a few hours maybe? Well, even if it wasn't, just forget about the, what is behind you this week in your rearview mirror and just think ahead. If we obsess about the todays, or let me change that, we obsess about the yesterdays. After it's gone, there's really nothing we can do to change what happened. It, it happened. And here's something you need to understand. I learned this a long time ago in a uh, church sermon series that was titled, Sometimes Bad Things Happen to Good People. Sometimes that is the truth. Yeah, I know, we do bring a whole lot of bad stuff on ourselves by making bad choices. That's one thing. But sometimes you haven't done anything wrong, and doggone it, something big, bad happens in your life. We've got to understand, for whatever reason or reasons, our Creator He gave us the ability to make decisions, and he promised a whole lot of things in the Bible to us. He really is into us. I really believe that. I've seen it play out in my 70 years many, many, many times. Good things that happen, and I can't put my finger on it to even understand how or why or how they could happen. And the opposite of that is true. It cuts both ways. And just because something bad happens to you. It doesn't mean you've necessarily screwed up, done anything wrong, made a bad choice or a bad decision. Sometimes it just happens. And we've got to accept that because if you don't, you'll live a life where every day you're going to be sad, angry, hurt, no idea what to do or how to get out of any things that you're going through that are really grabbing your focus and your attention and you just can't figure it out. I encourage you. You know what is really, really good? Start your day every day thinking positive thoughts, making yourself consciously. Make that be the first thing you do when you wake up. Just have a ding, 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 maybe an alarm or some little thing around you that when you see it or hear it, it reminds you. Be thankful. Be thankful hey, we're all on top of the ground right now. We wouldn't be talking, would we? Like Rush Limbaugh, one of the best commentators of all time, he said very succinctly, very early in the time that right after I found him on the radio, he said, at least we haven't assumed room temperature. And that's a whole nother story. And also, put it in perspective, no matter how bad it gets you for you, There's somebody else around you you can look at, and they have it worse than you. But Dan, I look over there and look look at all the stuff they have. Look at the good things that are going on in their lives. I don't have that. There will always be somebody that's worse off than you, but there will always be somebody that's better off than you. I'm talking about especially material things, jobs, homes, income, vacations, 
all of those kind of things rolled in. We don't need to concentrate on all that stuff. Dadgummit, just live your life. Do the best that you can do and don't worry about the rest of it. There's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) So you might as well be happy and smile and skip a little bit every once in a while. I'm going to tell you something, this mess going on at the southern border in Texas and overall, it's in the process every day. It's changing, not just us, not just Texas, not just the United States, but it's changing the face of the world. What are you talking about, Dan? Well, I hope you don't think that we sit over here between the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans and nobody else around the world watches what's going on here. You got to remember when you're in the top of the heap, everybody wants to know for sure what's going on where you are. And there's jealousy and then there's the opposite of that where people look at us and they want to mimic what we did here and our forefathers did to make us as good as this nation is. But everything moves at the same time. The clock moves a little slower. (laughs) Every morning it comes east to west, but it's really moving at the same pace. We just get up maybe an hour in a different time zone. You know what I'm talking about. But they watch us. They watch us. And so they have been watching us and our southern border debacle. I talk to people overseas, not really often, not as much as uh, in the middle of my business life several years ago. But I talk to people, and they often, when we talk, we're talking about business or specific issues, they almost all always bring up stuff going on in the United States. I'll never forget it. I was in Switzerland. I was in Zurich, Switzerland, when the 2016 election campaign was really firing up. And Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were going at it. And it was funny to me in Zurich, Switzerland, what the people there, including one good friend who happens to be uh, a longstanding attorney for me and my company, female, and her son, her teenage son in Switzerland, got a chance to meet, talk to him for a little bit, and he's a teenager in high school. He immediately launched into the Donald Trump thing and laughing, the orange man. What do people in the United States think he can do for them? Now, please remember, Over there, Switzerland is one exception to most of Europe. i got to say that. They're not so much socialist, but it is a socialist country. They find it hard to identify that we live in a country where the government doesn't constitutionally, they don't anyway, tell us what to do and what not to do. They don't understand what a representative democracy is. They all just use the word democracy. We're learning. Many people have never really understood the difference between a democracy and a representative republic, which is what our forefathers made the United States to be. We're a representative republic, and our government reflects that. They don't really understand that. And there are billions of people around the world, probably half of them give a rip about us, but they don't understand the differences. Much of what we are going through right now, when they see at it, uh, look at it and see it and try to put it in perspective of what they're living through, it's like, hey, no big deal. They expect us to always come out on top. And I'm praying, I'm hoping and believing that we will. 
But every day we learn more and more about the power grabs that are happening mostly quietly, sometimes while we're asleep. But there are strings tied to everybody in the United States. And someone else is finding a way to gain control to pull our strings. And sometimes we don't even know it. But don't think for a second your life is in a vacuum. I tell you all the time, truth lives in a vacuum, and it does. But we have so many external sources that have access to things in our lives. Your boss, your spouse, your mom, all of those people, and people around us, lawmakers, people that are supposedly representing us. And very quietly, over the last 10 to 20 years, a group of those string pullers have coordinated a major move that they unilaterally think we should be a part of, where the same group of people here that are pulling our strings now, they want to join with a bunch of other groups of people from other nations that are pulling their citizens' strings. And they want to get together and make the rules for everybody. One world government. You're going to hear today some real examples of that happening. I mean, real examples. You're going to hear from some of the worst corruption specifically that is happening right now in the United States of America in one state regarding the election system. Isn't it odd? All of a sudden it seems like, for instance, an example at the southern border. That's all illegal action that's taking on down there, on both sides. Yes, those illegals flooding our southern border, they each break the law when they step across. But the government, the U.S. government, that allows that to happen, every time one of those illegals steps across our border, they're guilty of breaking the law too. And how many times on this show have we had that conversation? And it, act, it seems like people act like that's no big deal because it seems to be the current politically correct issue. We've got to care for those people overseas. We've got to help them. They just want a better life. That's a good thought. But you know what? Our forefathers, every one of them, came from a part of the world where what we came here for. When I say we, I'm talking about our ancestors. When they came here for, the thing that this group today is looking at and wanting to return to, our forefathers ran like H-E-double-L to get away from it. They lived under it for centuries where somebody at the very top of the government controlled everything about everybody. They're lusting to get the United States sucked into that. You're going to hear some specific examples. But I want to go to the Texas southern border. There's a lot that's changing every day there. As Texas faces a standoff between their state National Guard forces, it's really potential standoff right now, but I promise you it's going to happen. Federal Border Patrol on the border in Eagle Pass, the state's top lawman, said the crisis gives the impression President Biden cut a deal 
with the cartels who are controlling parts of the border. I told you that was a possibility a few weeks ago. I brought it up. It just seems implausible that there's not some kind of quid pro quo in this thing. Quid pro quo. Where have I heard that before? That's obviously Joe Biden's nickname, quid pro quo Joe. I think you can bet there's money that's coming across the Mexican border in great amounts to somebody or somebody's an agreement to open the southern border of the United States. So Texas A.G. Ken Paxton, yesterday he said he is not entirely sure what Biden's next move is going to be after the Supreme Court signaled the feds that they could take down the razor wire. But they didn't. No, None of the mainstream media outlets will finish what actually came out of what the Supreme Court did. They did not prohibit Texas from reinstalling it. As far as the showdown, Paxton said, I don't know what Joe Biden's going to do. So far, it seems like every decision he's made has been a bad decision for our country. He is cooperating, not just cooperating, but he's literally in a partnership with these cartels. Paxton said that under previous presidents, illegal immigrants and cartel smugglers would hide from Border Patrol, fearing the trouble they're going to get into, including deportation. But until Biden came along and after he got here, members of transnational criminal organizations, they actually seek out Border Patrol so that they are put into the veritable pipeline of other foreign nationals that are dispersed into the country. Joe Biden has cut a deal somehow where these cartels transport people directly to the Border Patrol, and then they move them around the country. As Hannity host Sean Hannity, he cited earlier conjecture from former FBI intelligence and counterterror officials of this looming terrorism threat that we all know is hanging over our heads. How so? Millions of unidentified foreign nationals that are being allowed into the nation by Biden. Remember that horrible withdrawal we did from Afghanistan with no congressional authority, no authority to even do it, never asked for anybody's opinion. Joe Biden flew a couple of hundred illegal immigrants out of Afghanistan. They were illegal because they didn't legally immigrate into the United States. He promised, he told us on air, live, we're taking all of these people to Yemen You know, Yemen, supposedly one of our allies over there, right? Those are the people where the Houthi rebels are firing from Yemen all of those attacks on us and other countries around the world, their ships, and even taking political action to kill us over there. But they were were friends of ours, so we're going to take them over there and get on an airbase over there with these people, and they're going to go through the entire vetting process before any of them set foot in the United States. None of that happened. None of it. So that's just, oh, I don't know, 100,000 right there in one deal. They came over here. We did the same things for them and more than Joe Biden is doing for these illegal immigrants coming from mostly Central America, South America, and now from every other country on the planet. 
We don't know who these people are. We have no idea. It's inevitable. Something's bad's going to happen. I don't want to obsess on that. Paxton thanks South Dakota Republican Governor Kristi Noem for her support. Boy, she has stepped up. She and about two dozen other Republican governors from Alaska to New Hampshire voice support for how Governor Abbott and Texas are doing what they're doing. Hannity wondered aloud whether Biden is angling for a showdown in that regard. The last instance of a president usurping state control of a National Guard Corps, 1957, when the Arkansas Democrat governor deployed troops to stop integration of a high school in Little Rock. Then-President Eisenhower invoked federal control of the state's guard, and the Little Rock Nine were allowed to attend class at the otherwise all-white school. In 1794, the administration of then-President Washington federalized the Pennsylvania militia and several other states' troops to quell the Whiskey Rebellion in the Alleghenies. In the Keystone State at that time, some folks began resorting to violence. They got after it. Other aggressive means to stop the feds from collecting a new excise tax on booze that had been the brainchild of Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton. Washington joined the federalized contingent on its way into the region, where ultimately more than 100 people were arrested, but many later were acquitted or released. Christy Nome, she came out and she promised she is now today shipping that barbed wire, that razor wire, shipping tons of it to Texas for the people of Texas. It's just beyond country comprehension how this is all happening right now in the U.S. And it's ramping up every day. We need an answer. We need to know what's going on. We need to know what we're going to do. I didn't say what we're supposed to do. I said what we are going to do. So what do you think Joe Biden's going to do? There is an answer out there, an answer of how to stop this charade and how to stop all of this potential and actual criminality from getting into the United States with these illegals. Now, the border standoff is escalating. Governor Abbott is bolstering the razor wire fence along a border park that's at the center of the dispute. GOP leaders, including the governors of at least seven states, are backing Abbott in this showdown with Biden. Meantime, the president is facing growing calls from Democrat lawmakers to federalize the Texas National Guard. But Abbott says he is not backing down. And what Texas is asserting is our Article 1, Section 10 right of self-defense because the president of the United States is not fulfilling his duty to enforce the laws passed by Congress that deny illegal entry into the United States. The Biden administration has really, truly abdicated its responsibility to secure the border and enforce the laws. Texas, very simply, is securing the border. And so we put up the razor wire that you were talking about, Bill, and we put up all these barricades that actually have denied illegal entry. Uh, And as you pointed out also in that screen, there are criminals coming across our border. Texas has a right 
as a state to stop criminals from coming into our state, to make arrests of those criminals. The immigration system and the border issue is the primary issue in America right now. This is an issue upon which Joe Biden gets a grade of F and deserves to be fired. Ari, the governor wrote this in his statement to the Biden administration. Very clearly, he said the failure of the Biden administration to fulfill the duties imposed by Article 4, Section 4 has triggered Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which reserves to the state the right reasons. I've already declared an invasion to invoke Texas's constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. And he says that authority is the supreme law of the land and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. This is almost like a page out of history. It is Texas versus the president. Mm. Now, I don't know about articles and clauses. I do know that the governor is right. And think about, think about simply, why is it legal for sanctuary cities to defy the federal government to let illegal immigrants in but it's not legal for Texas to defy the federal government to keep illegal immigrants out. It makes no sense. So yes, since we know sanctuary cities are somehow legal, what Governor Abbott is doing is not only legal, it's moral. It is the right thing because if you're gonna come to America as we want immigrants to do, as my mother did, I'm a first generation American, come here legally, don't come here illegally, and good for Governor Abbott for finally doing something about it because Joe Biden won't. Kaylee, let's talk about what if. Texas sort of has Biden in the corner. What if Texas doesn't comply? What is Biden going to do? Is he going to send in the military? Is he going to force Texas to actively open the border? There's a lot that could happen, and there's a lot at stake. Well, progressives are saying it's time for you to control the federal or the Texas National Guard. So he has pressure from progressives. I, I doubt he'll do that. He'll probably let this play out in court. But look, these governors who are supporting Texas are exactly right. You had Governor Kemp, who just came out and said, I support Texas. Governor Ron DeSantis just put out a video where he laid out constitutional law in no uncertain terms. He said Daniel Horowitz brings up Federalist Paper number 46, which allows the states to med mitigate federal action in certain circumstances, including this one. Article 1, Section 10, you point out the powers given to a state when there is an invasion, and it can be described as nothing less than that. But for all the people who say, Texas, you can't do this, Conwell doesn't allow this, Okay, what about President Biden? He is the executive branch. He must enforce the laws of Congress, namely the Immigration and Nationality Act, which says you shall, the attorney general shall, deport certain classes of illegal immigrants. He's ignoring the laws of Congress. So don't give us an education lesson in constitutional law, Mr. President. Go back and read the Constitution because you're defying the laws of Congress. And we have that video, Kaylee, so I want to play it for viewers. This is Governor Landry and Governor DeSantis, who are both standing by Abbott. This is, this is their support watch. We support legal, not illegal immigration. We stand with Governor Abbott and Texas in reminding the federal government that under our Constitution, states are still sovereign, and we have the right to protect our citizens. If the Constitution was originally understood to mean that a state could not protect itself against an invasion, that the federal government could force a state to allow an invasion, the Constitution would have never been ratified in the first place. All of this is just nonsense what Biden's doing. Uh, Texas has every right to stand its ground. It's not just a Texas issue, it's ultimately an American issue. And if we don't have sovereignty in this country, uh, then we're not gonna be a country anymore. We have no idea what's going to happen now. We do know, based upon what we've heard and what we've seen with our own eyes, Texas is about to get into 
big, big taking care of their own nation. Former President Donald Trump weighed in on this yesterday. He's an idea guy, an entrepreneur, pretty much a self-made billionaire. And that's one reason why his four years in the White House were so successful. And uh, with that, something like this comes up and he's got some ideas. He said yesterday, we encourage all willing states to deploy their guards to Texas to prevent the entry of illegals and to remove them back across the border. All Americans should support the common sense measures by Texas authorities to protect the safety, security, and sovereignty of Texas and also of the American people in doing so. In part one of his post, Trump wrote this, in the face of this national security, public safety, and public health catastrophe, Texas has rightly invoked the invasion clause of the Constitution and must be given full support to repel the invasion. The former president's comments came on the 25th Republican governors from Alaska to Florida, New Hampshire to Nevada, issued statements of support for Texas and Governor Greg Abbott's mission to secure their southern border. If Greg Abbott needs more razor wire, Governor Christy Nome from South Dakota, she said this, I like this, I'll load it into the truck myself. (laughs) On Tuesday, Homeland Security sent a second demand letter to Attorney General Ken Paxson in Texas demanding the state allow all full, unimpeded access to Shelby Park and Eagle Pass. The Texas Military Department seized the park earlier this month and expelled the Border Patrol agents other than those launching boats into the Rio Grande River. By January 26, please confirm that the state will provide U.S. Border Patrol with the access described above. And basically, Ken Paxton and Governor Greg Abbott, they showed Washington, D.C., the finger. So as the deadline approached, Abbott is standing fast on the state's control of that park and every other square inch of Texas. Why? Quote, Texas has a constitutional right to defend and protect itself. Since the new fiscal year began, I don't need to tell you, Border Patrol agents apprehended right at half a million illegals. This is not getting better. Don't expect anything different from what you allow to happen unless you make changes. Wow. That's just one little bitty portion of the big things that are happening around us. Do you know who Carrie Lake is? Carrie Lake is a very prominent and successful news anchor for many years at a television station out of Phoenix, one of the biggest cities in the planet, in the United States. And um, she decided she was going to walk away. I'm going to let her tell you. You're going to hear from her in just a minute. But there is a political scandal that we all have suspected is going on, not just in Arizona, but around the nation. But she's got some new evidence, and you're not going to believe the corruption that is going on and has been going on, and to the level that it's going on. Carrie Lake is up next, and then we got a bunch of other stuff to jump into. 
Hang on. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. And of course, they love the savings they're going to get with Geico, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. <laughs> Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. Believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. (laughs) Movies right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. This is your home. This is your family room, slash gym. The guest bedroom, slash music studio. The day bed, slash dog bed. The living room, slash yoga shanti, slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement, slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home, slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? Or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified? That we freshly bake goodies throughout the day? Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. Saying it out loud. No spin, only the truth. Again, Dan Newman. Well, things are getting a little abrasive and un, um, unintelligible in a lot of circumstances. And you know why this is? We don't know everything that's going on. When we hear about these debacles, all we hear is what these experts on things that really can get into expert areas like, you know, healthcare, COVID-19, monetary information. You're going to hear about some uh, revelations about the current yesterday reported inflation numbers here and what the real numbers are. I'm telling you the truth. Our government is fudging on the monetary numbers, inflation, unemployment, when they give them to us, they're embellishing the numbers to make us look like we're doing better than we really are as a nation. That's just one thing. So many other things going on. Um, I told you about Carrie Lake. Just real quickly, she's a very attractive woman, very outspoken, very good communicator. She's got a lot of years behind her. She ran, if you remember, she ran for governor in Arizona. It was a very ugly race. It was very, very handled, if you understand what I mean by handled. You could tell the power junkies through every bit of the controversy that was going on. They were all over it and controlling everything. And it was very, very close race. And there was a lot of shenanigans, which we know now, and we're finding out more every day happened around the nation in 2020, 2022, and probably in our rearview mirror happened a multitude of other times. But when the federal government and everybody they bring in into their side to seize more and more power every day, 
every week, every month, every year from the American people. When that happens, it's really hard to get details, factual details. Now, we used to think when the government says it, well, that must be the truth. But we find out more every day that when they say something, the odds are better than 50-50 that they're not the truth. So how are we supposed to monitor that and figure out a way to find the pathways for us that are the best for us and the right things? You know, facts. It takes a lot of digging. So Carrie Lake decided she was going to take this step out of television. And she decided, of course, after the governor's thing, that she had gotten a taste of the political system in Arizona. She decided to go back for more. She wants to run and is running for the U.S. Senate. So I want you to listen to what she has to say. Here's an introduction to what it's about. But this woman is opening up Pandora's box, and it won't be just things that are happening in Arizona. Yesterday, we told you the bizarro story out of Arizona where Carrie Lake had secretly recorded a bribe offer from the chairman of the Republican Party of that state of Arizona. And, uh, well, since we told you about that story, uh, Mr. DeWitt, the chairman of the Republican Party, who's caught on tape offering a bribe for Carrie Lake to get out of politics, uh, he has resigned his position in a, a rambling letter where he accused Carrie Lake of secretly recording him, violating their friendship, and uh, a whole lot of other stuff there. Uh, ultimately, Carrie Lake wins this round, and Mr. DeWitt's political career, at least for now, is over in the state of Arizona. But the story gets even stranger. Last night, Carrie Lake went live. You saw the video at Town Hall. Uh, it's still there if you want to watch it. It's a phenomenal question and answer there about who was behind this bribery and also what else may have happened behind the scenes to try to keep Carrie Lake down. And during that video, she revealed something else. It looks like it looks like there was another bribe attempt here to keep Carrie Lake out of politics here. Watch this part of the video. We can't have that kind of corruption happening in Washington, D.C. And frankly, it starts in Washington, T in, in D.C., and it moves down into capitals across the country, into the state houses, into the municipalities. And uh, what happens is people run for office and immediately they get bribed, they get blackmailed, and they become controllable. And this is what's wrong with our country. Got another question? I got another one. Was this the first time that something like this has happened to you? Oh, boy. I don't even want to answer this because when I got into politics, it became so corrupt. I mean, I worked in media. The media is um, really corrupt right now. They're pushing propaganda. This is why I walked out of my job. I walked out of a seven-figure contract because I said, I don't want to be part of, of a corrupt cabal. I don't want to be part of pushing propaganda. And uh, actually, I've never told this story. I don't, I don't even know if I should tell it. Should I tell that story? Um, after we won the primary in the governor's race, there was a an individual who'd been supportive of us, and we were really happy about it. And we asked him to be become more involved in our campaign. We were really happy to have his support. He had he was a a man who had 
been quite successful and he wanted to start a pack for us. He wanted to give some money to a pack. For those of you who don't know, because I'm kind of new to politics as well, packs will spend money running commercials for you and ads that will help propel your message or maybe expose what's going on with your opponents. And this individual was willing to put a million dollars into a pack. And I said, that's wonderful. Thank you. We're, we're really happy. This is a grassroots campaign. If somebody has a means and they want to put, they want to put money into uh, helping us get elected so we can save Arizona, we love it. And about a, 24 hours later, I got a, a, an email from this person who uh, put his asks. He put his asks and he said, well, you know, if I'm going to do that, I have some asks that I demand of you. And these asks were really outrageous. They were basically, <clears throat> you know, you can't be around MAGA type people. You can't support President Trump. You can't uh, support other MAGA candidates. And listen, I wanted to get the whole slate elected, and I wanted to bring our movement over to everybody who was running on the Republican ticket. I wanted everybody who was Republican to win. And so I said, I can't agree to those asks. And we literally um, said, thanks, but no thanks. And somebody who had been in politics for a while and who was on our campaign said to me, I've never seen anybody in the history of my time in politics who said no to a million dollars because they didn't want to do a few simple things, but I didn't think it was simple to say, I'm willing to turn my back on president Trump. I'm willing to turn my back on other Republican candidates. I'm not willing to take somebody's money with a whole bunch of strings attached. So, um, that was one example. There's been probably others that I can't think of right now, but when president Trump calls <clears throat> Washington DC, the swamp, it, he truly means it. it is swampy. It's disgusting and it's corrupt. And we want to change that. That is uh, stunning in many ways. I love the natural approach that Carrie Lake takes to this in communicating directly to you and going over the heads of the media and, and telling stories like this. The most remarkable takeaway that I've seen so far of, of specifically this part of the story is that no one, and I mean no one, and I mean not one person that I have seen reacting to this on social media in the comments section, on the town hall YouTube, uh, or anywhere else in real life when I talk to somebody in real life about this, not one person is shocked. Not one person is surprised. In fact, most people are looking at this and shrugging and saying, well, yeah, of course, we assume that happens. In fact, the only shocking, surprising, stunning thing about this is that Carrie Lake is revealing it. Why would anybody get into politics in the first place? That's one of the first questions I ask every time I hear, like somebody coming from elsewhere and getting into politics, because nobody even questions anymore. It's corrupt. There are so many, not millions, but billions of dollars that change hands in uh, politics. Most of it, obviously, is not happening where anybody can see it. You look at the massive amounts of money that are involved. Do you know that for a candidate to make it all the way from the beginning to an election for president, you know what the estimated cost necessary to win that job is? A billion dollars. A billion dollars. Why would we allow our political system that is supposed supposedly, and constitutionally is supposed to be not run by the government. 
It's supposed to be run by us, government of the people, for the people, and by the people. Not government for, by, or by the political class in America. All of that responsibility falls on the shoulders of America. At least it formally did. Honestly, I have thought through numerous times, but in this mess going on right now, this presidential race going on right now, the other night I sat down and I said, I wish I could come up with a process that would stop at the federal level for any election. That would be president, vice president, that's one election. And then you have all of the members of Congress, all of the members of the U.S. Senate. If for those offices we could force, mandate with a law that a certain amount of money is going to be allocated by the people, in other words, it would be taxable income, for presidential election, vice presidential election, congressional, Senate, each one of those, we come up with a dollar amount that each of these candidates can access for their campaign, and no other money is allowed. Don't you think that would change the face of politics? And I guarantee you, some of you out there, when I said that, they said, there's no way we'd be able to keep them from doing that. They'd cheat and find all other kinds of ways to get money elsewhere. Make it a crime, a federal crime, a jailable crime if they broke those rules and make them be subject to an audit every 30 days during a specific campaign cycle when they declare for office. If we don't control the money or at least keep it from being used illegally and what they've done, who makes all these regulations? Who controls the border process? It's the very people that are the ones that do the process. That falls into that group of conundrums that I've never been able to figure out. Who decides how much each member of Congress and each member of the Senate makes? They do. They do. And also their benefits, the times they're going to work, how much time off they have, and how they're going to run their operation. They don't answer to us for anything. Oh, they kind of pat us on the head during election time, and you're probably just like me, getting the thousands of texts and emails every day. We can't do this without you. You're the person I need to do. To, I didn't need to do. And I got one just during a, a segment of the show. I looked down and I got one, and I opened it up, and I won't tell you who it was supposedly from. Hey, Dan, we haven't talked in a long time. I just wanted to touch base with you and catch up. I've never in my life spoken to that person. And that's just one little example. I got a call yesterday evening from one of my closest friends in Florida. Here's what he said to me. Hey, have you sent me any emails lately? And I said, I can't think of one in the last few weeks. Why? And he said, I've started getting emails from you. And it comes from your email address. That's scary. And he said, it's asking for me to consider doing what you've already done and send a campaign contribution to, and I won't name the politician that 
this his name is put in there. And he said, I've gotten about 10 of those from you over the last two weeks. And he was out of town. He said, I hadn't reached out to you, but I wondered why you didn't just call me. So obviously that sent up the war signals and I've had my IT guy overhauling our server here to find out what the heck is going on on there. But how much of that is going? I understand why people, we shouldn't. If we get an email that looks suspicious, in many cases, we're told don't open the email unless you know who it's from and what it's about. And if it's something suspicious, don't open that email. There's so much evil out there. And it always falls back to one thing. The love of money is the root of all evil. We just got to be careful. We've got to be careful. But there are so many things that impact our lives on a daily basis. We don't have any input into or very little of that. And this is just the Kerry Lake thing. This is just one example of what's going on. So let's move on. Inflation, inflation. It's back in the news. Inflation has reignited. Now, wait a minute, Dan. We just got we just got reports yesterday that our GDP is up and everything's back going just like it always has before the Biden group got in charge. But everything's okay. Well, not so much. A key measure of inflation in the U.S. showed that prices climbed again in December. That suggests the respite from rising prices seen in the prior month. It was just a blip. The Personal Consumption Expenditure Price Index rose 0.2% compared with the prior month, in line with the expectations and an increase from the negative 0.1% reading for November. This is the biggest month-to-month increase in the consumer price index since September. Now, I haven't heard anything yet, but they will be out in mass gloating and gloating all day long. You know what? This number might be true. You know why? Outside people from the administration are the ones that have the ability to check these numbers. The other stuff, like the unemployment news, the employment numbers, all that kind of stuff, that comes from the White House or from the U.S. Treasury and the Labor Department. We know what that means. We shouldn't have been surprised when we found out three or four or five or six of the reports from those ones that the administration runs on money, unemployment, inflation, they've been fudged. And they come back later and they revise them. Well, you know, we we get information and we got to get it out fast to the American people. So sometimes we have to kind of estimate a little bit based on the hard numbers we have. Yeah, right. They don't comprehend that you and I go fill up our gas tanks every few days and that we go to the grocery store at least once a week and that we have kids that are going to the doctor and the dentist and going to buy clothes for school and buy Christmas presents and have to keep up with maintaining a car or two or three. And the cost of doing all of that, and oh, by the way, interest rates on everything have gone sky high, and they're not coming down. Supposed to, but they're not really coming down. 
we hear one thing coming from the so-called experts, and then what we live, it doesn't even come close to comparing and justifying what we're being told. So I just, I just gave you that little snippet about the inflation coming down. And so an hour or two later, our Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, said this, most people know that prices are not likely to fall after maybe 20% jump from pre-COVID levels. Now, this and when it happened and why it happened, that's a conundrum to me. They put out the numbers about the economy, you know, the price index being up and being good and better and all that yesterday. And then we hear about this interview with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. She said that most Americans know prices are not likely to fall and that while there have been improvements in consumer sentiment, apartment, rents, food, and maybe 20% higher than they were before the pandemic. And I think that's something that influences sentiment. You think? Just a little note for her. She was not Secretary Treasury under Donald Trump, but she was traveling around the world giving massive numbers of and getting paid bunches and bunches of money to give speeches for various entities on economics in the world because she's an expert. The year before she went to work for Biden, she made $800,000 giving speeches. ABC's News, Washington correspondent Elizabeth Schultz asked Yellen, how do you convince us that those prices might not go back to where they were before the pandemic? Great answer from Yellen. Well, I think most Americans know that prices are not likely to fall. It's not the Fed's objective to try to push the level of prices back to where they were, but to stop them from rising so wage gains exceed price gains. That's just a word salad. They like to talk at that level because they understand many Americans don't dig into the knowledge and understand what all of that falderal is about. It's just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yellen just stepped all over herself. Schultz had asked, despite the strong economic data that you were talking about, we know that President Biden's handling of the economy is at a record low. Now, he would probably fire her if he had heard her say that. What do you say to Americans who see this data but say they are just not feeling the economic strength? And the Treasury Secretary responded, well, first, I'd like to say that recent surveys suggest that picture is changing. Drumroll. We've seen a massive increase, improvement in consumer sentiments in recent surveys. I haven't seen one survey that showed things getting any better, ma'am. She said the pandemic had a huge impact on so many households, apartment rents, food, or maybe 20% higher than they were before the pandemic. And I think that's something that influences sentiment. But what's happening for more than a year now, and I expect this to continue, is wages are rising more rapidly than prices. Well, that's okay, Janet. But you remember before this year, 
you know, the three previous years, everything you're talking about, prices were sky high, inflation was sky high, and none of the stuff that you're telling us is going to happen is even going to get us back to the point we were before Joe Biden took the oath of office. They don't even want us to even think about that. They can't handle it. They're telling other people like themselves. They can't talk to us and give us the facts because first, most of us are stupid, but secondly, those of us that are not, we won't know what to do, how to process the information they give us. So that let's just lead them along and let them think whatever they're going to think. You can laugh at me, but I'm telling you the truth. Something else popped up that has really, really got me frosted. It's coming out of Europe, but it has to do a lot with us. It has to do with legal issues coming from Europe, and that is over our heads. Now, you figure that one out. We're not in a one-world government yet, but there's actions being taken now that are pointed at us, but specific pointed at, for one instance, Israel. And because we're Israel's big brother partners in all things on the planet, there's a finger pointing at us at the same time this is being said. I've got you kind of questioning, what the heck are you talking about? It's the United Nations' highest court. Think about that. Be right back. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Get cracking and feel unbeatable with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. Bacon and cheddar or egg white and veggie. Made with cage-free eggs and packed with protein. Take on the day with new omelet bites from Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. I'll take a Coke. Is Pepsi okay? Is Pepsi okay? Is Pepsi okay? Ow! Our puppy's okay. Is a shooting star okay? Is the laughter of a small child okay? Um, Are you with me? You seem confused. Let's role play. Now. Uh, okay, I'm Steve. I'm an actor. No, no, and... no. Just order something. Uh, I'll have... You will have a nice cold glass of the best thing you ever tasted. Okay? Okay. I think you might be just saying it wrong. You gotta say it with pride, okay? Okay. Oh, yeah. 
kind of, Pepsi's more than okay. It's okay. Okay, what have we learned today? You want a Pepsi? I want a Pepsi. She wants a Pepsi. There you go. Like a little John. Oh, come I've got to come up with my own catchphrase. Okay! The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. TNN, The Truth News Network. So the story coming out of Europe, I'm going to let the judge tell the whole story, but basically it's coming from the highest United Nations court. Did you know they even had courts, international courts? Yeah, they do. Well, what kind of power do these courts have? I mean, can they tell us what to do or not to do as a nation? You remember us talking about and putting out all the signs that this used to be conspiracy theory about there being a desire to put us to a one-world country or at least have a one-world ruling system where the laws were the same across the globe and the same entity would govern everybody, be at the top of the heap. That was kind of like a talking point and (laughs) a thing we laughed at around the water cooler. But now that's happening. Right now, today, there is no longer any question about it. Facts, we could sit here for the rest of the show, and I could point out specific facts and even people talking about it openly on television, satellite, big meetings, talking about it. That's what these hardcore leftists, that's all Davos, Switzerland, and when all of those multi-billionaires get together every winter, In Davos, that's exactly what they're talking about. We've got examples out the wazoo from these people's own mouths, and they're saying it. Now, we had a handful of people from the United States that went over there. Of course, leading the pack was that brain surgeon. Well, I got to pat him on the back because he did a good job. John Kerry married the widow of the kitchen founder. Hines, and he is now, because of her, he's got anything and everything he wants. Flies all over the world, jabs us because we're not worthy of doing that. He does it privately, and if you've not ever flied private jets, it's really cool, and if you can do it, it's the great way to travel. But that thought process, that kind of thinking is what these people are using against us. So, as you know, Israel and Hamas are into it. They are really into it. And there was the massacre on October 7th where Hamas went in and slaughtered a bunch of Israelis innocently. And then they kept doing it, kept doing it. Benjamin Netanyahu kept warning them, you better back off, we're coming after you. And sure enough, it it turned into a full-scale war. But it all happened because of what Hamas did. Now, somebody's out there, I know, I'm looking to see who's listening to the show now, and I see one email, excuse me, one IP address that is from someone I know who disagrees with me on this, at least in part. 
But Hamas started this particular conflict, this war, and it for that particular thing was unprovoked, at least from what I can discover. They may have a lot of stuff, a lot of baggage in their rearview mirrors that would add up to doing something like this. But indiscriminate slaughter of any person on earth, it's not right. So anyway, Israel came back, and Israel had to retaliate, and they've got hostage. You know the whole story. I won't even go into it. But whatever that is worth, Israel decided because Hamas, they've never made it even remotely not true. Um, They're going to do anything they can, they tell us, to get rid of every Jew on the planet and the nation of Israel. And they're not going to stop till they get it done. Now, if you're an Israeli person, that doesn't give you any warm and fuzzies, does it? Because you look at what just happened to many of you. I'm talking about to the Israelis talking to each other. What just happened to you and your family, they're going to keep doing that. So the Israeli government decided, we're just going to go and wipe Hamas out. Not not the Palestinian people. There's a big difference between members of Hamas and the regular rank-and-file Palestinian people. But Hamas are the ones that are doing this stuff. Benjamin Netanyahu tells them, he's doubled down on it, tripled down on it, quadrupled down on it, we are not stopping this war until every member of Hamas is dead. And if you were told every day somebody was going to keep trying to kill you until they killed you, you'd probably want to stop them too, I would think, and do whatever it took to get them to not come and kill you. Every citizen on the planet deserves to have that right. That's what Israel's doing. And, of course, the cries go up. You know, you know all of the the shenanigans going on, the violence, the protest around the world, not just here, pro-Palestinian, anti-Israeli. So I want you to listen to this judge. She released this yesterday. She's the chief judge of the U.N. court, the highest one. And listen to what she says, but note the pontification in the way she speaks this. For these reasons, the court indicates the following provisional measures. One, by 15 votes to two, the State of Israel shall, in accordance with its obligations under the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide in relation to the Palestinians in Gaza, take all measures within its power to prevent the commission of all acts within the scope of Article Two of the Convention. In particular, A, killing members of the group, B, causing serious bodily or mental harm to members of the group, C, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole or in part, and D, imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group. The State of Israel shall ensure with immediate effect that its military does not commit any acts described in point one above. The State of Israel shall take all measures within its power to prevent and punish the direct and public incitement to commit genocide in relation to members of the Palestinian group in the Gaza Strip. The State of Israel shall take immediate and effective measures to ensure the provision of urgently needed 
basic services, and humanitarian assistance to address the adverse conditions of life faced by Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. Okay. You heard from her own mouth. Now, what started this mess? It started with that overnight slaughter. And this isn't the first time this has happened through the years. It's bam, 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 bam. Not to this level, but it happens and continues to happen. That's just one part of this conversation. The big one is who the heck are these people that think the United Nations? You do understand, we're the biggest funder of the United Nations. They have a building on probably the most expensive span of real estate in Manhattan, the southeast side of Manhattan. Monstrous building, monstrous big group of buildings there. We're letting them come over here and create all of their world, one world government ideas and try to pass them out around the world with some type of authority attached to it. We don't have a treaty with the United Nations that gives them the power to even do this kind of stuff. They can't even enforce it. They have no enforcement operation or system in which they can, not just to us or Israel or any other country. So what are they doing? It's called symbolism over substance. Symbolism over substance. That's what this is. Trying to sell the world, all the people in the world, especially all the world's nations leaders. Hey, we're the United Nations. We've got, we're the top dogs. We've got all the authority and we're going to determine what's right, what's wrong and tell you what you can do and what you cannot do. This is all part of the process. One world government. And do you think Benjamin Netanyahu, his war department, you think they're going to listen to this judge and what they came out with and told Israel to do? Notice there's not a, not even a sentence in there referencing Hamas or even telling Hamas, stop it. Well, Hamas is not a member of the United Nations. They're not a nation. They're part of Iran. They're not actually in Iran, but they work at the behest of the Iranian mullahs, and they're funded by Iran. This is like, it's no big deal when they do this stuff. Yeah, yeah, this is us. We're in charge. You just listen to us. Oh, in other words, just sit down and shut up. That's what uh, I'm sure Benjamin Netanyahu, he may not have said it, but he thought about it. Let's move on. You know all this hoo-ha that's been going around about banning books, banning books. I got sick of it because especially when I started finding out what the banning of books and why anybody would want to do it. And so our great far-left news media, they just have had a field day. It gives them a weapon in their stories and their television programs. They can just use this process as a weapon against their political opponents, especially regarding ideology. In an interview this week, MSNBC host Joy Reid, one of the most feckless people in talk shows on television. That's my opinion. 
she argued in this interview that school kids should be allowed to have access to explicit books in their school libraries. And this includes, by the way, books with depictions of rape and incest. The remarks came in a discussion on Reed's show with Moms for Liberty co-founder Tiffany Justice about this pro-LGBTQ plus book, All Boys Aren't Blue. The book is a memoir by LGBTQ plus activist George Johnson. It includes very explicit descriptions of sexual encounters, including incest and statutory rape. It's been banned in school libraries in a slew of states. So Reed questioned justice as to why the book should be banned in schools. In what context is a strap-on dildo appropriate for public school kids? That's my question to you. Tell me the context around the strap-on dildo or the rape of a minor by a teacher. Justice said that before Reed interrupted her. Who is the main character? What is the name of the main character in All Boys Aren't Blue, Reed asked. You just gave me very specific information about this book, so you're presenting yourself as somebody who's an expert? Who is the main character? The main character, Justice said, is the author. Well, what's his name? George. Justice began to answer before Reed interrupted her. I'm interviewing you. You're not interviewing me, so I want to make sure it's a conversation. Reed said condescendingly to Justice, what am I saying to you as you're not an expert on this book? Justice replied, I don't have to be an expert to know that dildos aren't appropriate content for a public school. Come on, let's get real. Why is it your right or a Moms for Liberty activist right to say that a parent who wants their child to have access to this book, which gives personal experience of this author, why doesn't a liberal parent, for instance, or the parent of an LGBTQ kid, why don't they have a right for their child to just have access to the book? Why is it your right to say they can't? Wah, wah, wah. We're talking about incest, rape, and pedophilia, Justice said. And, of course, Joy Reid, she popped right back in there. Each parent has to decide what is appropriate for their child. That's what Reid said, claiming that some parents would want their child to read the book because it would help them feel seen. Now, whatever the heck does that mean? A 7, 8, 9, 10-year-old, they need to be helped to feel seen. If a child feels seen by this story, that means that they've been the victim of a predator. That means that they have either been raped by a family member, they've experienced rape. Well, predictably, Reed cut Justice off. You're now making assumptions, she said. Later on, Justice said that all the books with graphic sexual content should be kept out of schools, and with other books, parents should be allowed to opt their child out of reading them at school. Reed was triggered by these remarks, claiming that parents would have to buy certain books themselves for their children. That's essentially putting a tax on parents who want their children to read the book, Reed claimed. 
Your kids get to have books for free that you agree with, but parents who want their children to read books you don't like have to purchase it. Justice pointed out that their area, only a quarter of school children are reading at their grade level. America's kids are not learning how to read. We should have conversations about what books should be in libraries. I just, that just flew all over me. And if you're a mom or a dad and listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Joy Reid wants unilateral authority. She does. She's an expert, so-called. And she's a very smart woman. She went to an Ivy League school. I even think she may be an attorney. I have no idea about her sexual status. I won't say sexual preference because there's no such thing. Sexual status in life, and that's immaterial. It doesn't immaterial. It doesn't matter. Moms and dads, and even elected school board members, they should have some sense of what is good or what is bad. What the heck? Look around the world. Look at what's going on around the world that we live in right now. And we want to get caught up in hard sex core library books in schools, elementary schools. Come on now. That makes absolutely no sense. And I want to give you a picture. I uh, I listen to Candace Owen quite often. I don't know if you know her. African-American, very conservative girl. Great speaker. She's very, very involved in all kinds of conservative causes. And she does a daily podcast. And uh, you've heard about George Soros. We've all known about George Soros for years. He's probably the number one leftist liberal. He's a multi-billionaire. And he's very famous for his involvement in politics, not just here. He's from Hungary originally, but he has dual citizenship. He's got a big mansion out on Long Island in New York. Alex Soros is his son, very like-minded. He's an intellectual, we are told. He is filthy rich. He definitely is a trust fund baby. And now George Soros has turned his massive empire, at least part of it, the political part especially, over to Alex. And so Alex is dumping millions of dollars to far-left causes here in the United States, and I'm sure he's doing it in other places around the world. I don't know specifically. And when I say far-left causes, I don't need to have to tell you. In politics, with politicians, in everything, all the demonstrations that are going on from the left, all this pro-Palestinian stuff, it's all happening, and George Soros and Alex now are into their necks up to it. So Alex got an invitation to go to Davos last week, and he got on a panel. I'm going to let Candace Owen tell you the rest of it, and then you're going to hear from Alex yourself. So by now we all know who George Soros is and the many projects that he funds, which appear to all of us to be anti Democratic. There's no question about that. But what do you know about the heir to his fortune? Alexander Soros. In 2023, the Wall Street Journal reported that he would be the heir to the Soros fortune and would immediately take over the Soros Soros Open Society Foundation. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He is 38 years old. He's an American philanthropist. 
He's just one of the sons of George Soros. He is now the chair of Open Society Foundations, and he's also one of the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders of 2018 and beyond. Now, I want to make it clear, Alexander Soros is a trust fund baby, but just because you come from a lot of wealth doesn't necessarily mean that you're stupid or that you didn't earn some of your success. Rare opportunity, I had never tried to find clips of Alexander Soros speaking, but we had a rare opportunity to hear him speak um, at the World Economic Forum this year in Davos. He was on a panel, and I'm not kidding when I say I was shocked to hear him speak, actually shocked to hear Alexander Soros speak because I had never imagined that, (laughs) I guess, what would come out of his mouth or what didn't come out of his mouth would be what I would hear. So I'm going to challenge you guys. First, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to pa- challenge you to put on your best SAT test thinking cap. I want you to, for the next two minutes, just really hone in on his words. I want you to do your best to understand what the hell Alexander Soros, who has inherited billions, is trying to get across. Really, guys, I apologize in advance. Take a listen. I don't think that that's the fundamental, I don't think the technology is the fundamental issue uh, in, in democracy. Democracy is messy. I mean, you know, democracy is about contestation of ideas. It's about uh, plurality. Um, it's about people having different truths, actually. Now, um, fundamentally, uh, how society lives together um, civically um, in, those, in those contestations um, is you know is obviously uh, is obviously um, you know quite uh, quite uh, you know quite tricky. But I think that if we play too much on this disinformation card, we're taking the responsibility away from ourselves to actually create a narrative that inspires people to vote and to believe uh, you know in um, uh, in uh, in democracy and democratic um, institutions. And on the institutional part, I think that we can talk about. Uh, institutions as these abstract things, but institutions are also about people. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, um, you know, we just heard this, this this point about untrustworthy people, and we talked about things in the United States like you know, like um, checks and balances, which aren't written anywhere, but are customs. And one man, Donald Trump, literally came in and just took that you know took that took that all away. Um, you know, so. Um, you know, so, um, you know, but when I see this, you know, when I look at this, um, you know, um, you know, uh, more globally regarding, regarding, you know, regarding democracy, I also say to myself, when was this great time that everybody got along so well and, you know, things were going so, so great? I mean, I think, you know, um, um, you know, the, um, you know, I think that we really have to be careful here in you know in this nostalgia uh for a time uh you know for a time past because a lot of the reactions we're seeing in society are actually reactions to positive uh to positive things like you know like equality uh for women um you know uh and um uh you know and greater diversity uh which come with backlash literally what just happened I'm asking you seriously. This, these are the individuals who get up on stage because they believe that they are the brightest people in the world and that you are too stupid to know how to live your own lives. And so they have to plot and they have to sit down and they have to think about the future of the world because you're just not smart enough to know how to take care of yourself. 
That is Alexander Soros, the person that just inherited billions of dollars. He is going to represent the future. And he quite literally cannot string together a sentence. He can't. Nothing, no piece of that made any sense. I've listened to it multiple times. I'm sorry I made you have to listen to it. It makes no sense. It's so incoherent. It's actually amazing. If mumbo jumbo was a person, it would be Alexander Soros. I actually tried to think of how he could possibly say so much and absolutely nothing within a two-minute span. And I thought maybe he's on drugs. Maybe he had a long night out. But no, somebody that's hungover can in two minutes get out one sentence. That makes sense. Maybe he's high on cocaine. Nope, that person would definitely be able to get out a few sentences. Yeah. Did he take a pill? No, I think even a person that is under the influence of opioids would be able to get out one coherent sentence, and Alex Soros did not. Because as I said, Alex Soros is a trust fund baby, and he's not a bright one. And despite all of that, the clip would be actually hilarious if it wasn't for the fact that, as I said, he has inherited billions, and he is going to shape the future of this country. He has the ability to do that. I don't I don't know Alex. What I know about Alex, I guess what she said at the top of that segment, thats I don't know anything more about that than what she said about him. I've heard of him, watched some of the things that he's done, but I've not seen or heard anything from him personally. And I go back to this. I think that when we hear people talk in situations like this, Davos, Switzerland, invited there, not because of his achievements or his expertise in anything other than being birthed George Soros's son. And George Soros, his daddy, a multi-billionaire, very active in all kinds of social things worldwide. George Soros is very old. Obviously, he's going to leave this world pretty soon, and he wants his thoughts, his ideals, his policies and government and human nature getting together, he wants that to be carried on. This is the brain surgeon that he's already turned this whole organization over to. This guy was there only about money. He had no background, no thing to come talk about about what he's done except be George's boy. That's all it takes to qualify to these people is be in the right place, have the right amount of money, have the right last name, and be willing whenever it happens to let us access all your resources and tell you how we need to use them. And he'll say yes. You know why? He likes going to Davos, and he likes being George Soros's son. And you can book it. He's going to coast on that, relish that, talk to his friends about it, and he'll be back next year. And he'll probably be put on a panel again. And what will he bring to the world? More of the, I don't even want to say it, what it really is. But it was a worthless piece of stuff talking about things he obviously knows absolutely nothing about. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym, the guest bedroom, slash music studio, the day bed, slash dog bed, the living room, slash yoga shanty, slash regional office. How did you guys do it? 
slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if you're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing, you know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it for a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's Biggie Bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? When you choose a great-tasting Miller Lite, you're choosing on taste. And that's the right choice, not the wrong choice. Because right is way better than wrong. You don't try to do the wrong thing. Wrong on, brother? Back off, and I don't even know you. If someone asks you if everything's all wrong, ask them to pull your finger. Ever read the Bill of Wrongs? It was written by James Battison and John Saddams. Drawing a wrong triangle? Place this protractor at 90 degrees and sit on it. What's wrong around the corner? An 8-foot ex-con named Tiny, and he wants your wallet. That's wrong up your alley, just like the drifter feeding moldy muffin stumps to his 13 hairless cats. Got a wrong hand man? I've got a cousin named Randall with clammy hands. The customer's always wrong? Well, that explains the waiter's creepy grin as I ate my toast. Two wrongs do make a wrong. Am I wrong? Wrong. So don't make the wrong choice. Make the right choice. And choose on taste. Triple hops brewed Miller Lite. Taste greatness. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Great beer, great responsibility. Let me give you a little example of what the Soros gang is up to. One Hispanic community leader in South Texas has a simple theory on why liberal billionaire George Soros and his son investing heavily to reverse Democrats' long losing streak, excuse me, their winning streak in the Lone Star State. They're absolutely scared, she said. Myra Flores, a former Republican Congresswoman, the first Mexican-born woman to serve in the House, said Soros is pouring money into Texas in a bid to boost Democrat turnout this year was because he didn't want Republican Hispanic leaders, such as herself, to win over other Hispanics who have traditionally voted Republican. Flores was referencing the Texas Majority PAC. That's a group being partially bankrolled by Soros, working to build up progressive infrastructure across the state, trying to elect more Democrats. They're seeing this Hispanics a shift towards the Republican Party. Why? Because they're realizing that we're the party of prosperity that we want to build a strong economy, that we want to secure the border, that we want to prioritize the people of this country and not prioritize people from outside this country. And I believe that it's our policies that are winning people over, and the struggle is real. 
George Soros and the Democratic Party are seeing people like myself that resonate with the Hispanic community. They resonate with me. I resonate with them. We have similar stories. I'm bilingual. I speak Spanish and English. We have similar stories, and we share that bond. A recent report published by the Texas Tribune said the group is being run by former staffers from Democrat Beto O'Rourke's failed campaign for governor and that it had raised nearly two and a quarter million dollars last year. According to an analysis of Texas Majority PAC's Federal Election Commission filings, Soros has given eight hundred fifty grand as of December twenty seventh, seven hundred fifty thousand of which he gave during the first half of twenty twenty three when the group raised only seven hundred fifty two thousand and forty dollars. In that report, the PAC's deputy director said contributions were intended to help local Democrat groups register, contact, and turn out voters on a scale never seen before. Boy, they've got the work cut out for them. Democrats have tried but failed again and again to get traction in a number of major statewide races in addition to O'Rourke's 2020 bid. The closest they came was in 2018 when O'Rourke, you know, you remember him, He's a has-been, but he's a former El Paso area congressman. He ran for Senate against Ted Cruz. In a year with high Democrat turnout as a backlash to the presidency of Donald Trump, O'Rourke came within three points of beating Cruz. In 2020, Democrats thought they had another shot at taking out an incumbent Republican, John Cornyn, senator, with Air Force veteran M.J. Hager. However, she lost by nearly 10 points. Now the Democrats, they're frantic. They hope to utilize Texas Majority PAC to try and take out Cruz one more time. He's up for re-election to a third term. But according to Flores, the shift toward Republicans among Hispanics has only been growing stronger, and it's putting fear into Democrats' hearts. They're scared. They're absolutely scared. And they don't want Republican Hispanics like myself to win over other Hispanics. And they know that we're moving that shift every cycle. She's running to win back that seat. Now that is what those global elites, that's what they can't identify with. They don't understand. They think, now George Soros, Big Daddy George, he's he's never been filthy rich in his life until he got in the financial business and he learned how to manipulate currency. And he literally came within inches of destroying the British pound on the stock market. How could he do that? He gathered together a massive group of people that had millions and millions of dollars. And on one day, they shorted the British pound on the stock market. Now, what does that mean? That means, let me just give you an an example. It's similar to stock, but let me give you an example. So let's say Anheuser-Busch. It's worth $100 today. And so these people go in and they say, I want to short Anheuser-Busch. So that means they're going to bet on today's price of the stock, $100. 
And over a designated period of time, usually it's three, three or four weeks, maybe 30 days. In a designated matter of time, they're betting that that $100 goes down and they want it to go down as far as they can. And if it like goes from $100 down to $2 because all millions and millions of dollars being invested the same way by others, it pressures the market and people start cashing out of actual stocks or in this case, currency, lots of currency. And they hope it goes all the way down to $2. Basically, they did that with the British pound, and it almost bankrupted Britain. But see, because they bet for it to go down, they all got filthy rich because it went down so low so quickly. He used that to do everything he's done since. One instance, and he becomes probably the biggest anti-democratic, anti-American individual on the planet. And he makes no jokes about it. I've heard interviews with him. He's very communicable. He's, He's nothing like his son when he communicates at all. But that's just one example of what's happening in the world right now. And we've got to understand Nothing happens in a vacuum. There is no incident, no circumstance that does not have particulars tied to it of why, what for, who's involved, what are they expecting, and what are the possible outcomes, good or bad. Good or bad, that's important to consider. We're dealing with that kind of stuff, and Texas is a big deal. And this thing with Ted Cruz, I promise you, it's going to be a war. But I think with everything that's happening in the nation now, I don't even know who Ted Cruz is running against. I haven't I haven't heard. We're a little bit early for that. I do know that Cruz has gotten much more vocally involved in things in DC. He's he's been he's very active when it comes to uh, having hearings and all that kind of stuff, getting involved with those. But I don't hear him other than of, of late getting out there and getting in the public forum. But you watch. It's going to be a fun one to watch. And I, I don't, again, I have no idea who they're going to bring up to run against him. I'm sure it's already set. But there are going to be a lot of these campaigns that are going on between now and November that people are going to be watching closely. This could be the best thing to happen ever in American government since it was founded. Or it could be the worst. And that means the government is us, folks. It trickles down to us. And if we can't do and don't do anything but pay attention and know what's going on, we need to do that for sure. Do you remember who Bill Riley is? Sure you do. Long time on Fox, late night show. Good guy, got at odds with the former CEO of Fox and they canned him. Well, He's got his own show, um, podcast, The Bill O'Reilly Show, and he's still as good as he always was. In this mess that has been going on and probably will go on for a while about all this stuff about Donald Trump's involvement in January 6th, you remember the name Cassidy Hutchinson? Cassidy Hutchinson was in the Trump campaign 
And when the January 6th committee started doing their their stuff, investigating and so-called finding out who was involved in January 6th, and everybody was doing everything they could to go after Donald Trump, she wrote a book. But in testimony, she told under oath this hellaciously unbelievable story about Donald Trump that purportedly happened on January 6th. And by the way, where and when this happened, she was nowhere around. She used a second-handed version of what she said was actual in her testimony. Cassidy Hutchinson. <clears throat> I have a personal beef against Cassidy Hutchinson. She worked for Donald Trump. She made accusations against Donald Trump. She got hundreds of thousands of dollars to write a book, and her book debuted at number one, and my book, Killing the Witches, was number two. That's my beef against Cassidy Hutchinson, okay? That she was number one and I was number two, and I'm usually number one. The reason she was number one is that every network on television put her on, and her story was BS from the jump. So she got the book contract and the number one position because she got massive media attention, all right, based upon a fallacious accusation. What was the accusation? You will remember that Ms. Hutchinson said Donald Trump on January 6th wanted to go to the Capitol while the riot was underway and Secret Service blocked him and Trump pushed the Secret Service agent and tried to grab the wheel of the car. Here's what I said the day after Cassidy Hutchinson made that allegation. Go. The, the most sensational charge was this uh, Hutchinson woman, Cassidy Hutchinson, saying that Trump grabbed the steering wheel in the Secret Service limo and demanded to be taken to the riot itself. And that was easily refuted, and, and it was ridiculous. I mean, as I said, he, he would have to be the 50-foot man to have an arm long enough from the back seat where he was sitting to grab a steering wheel. It couldn't have happened. Okay, so now Hutchinson has backed off that allegation, and the House Oversight Subcommittee wants to see what documentation she had to make the allegation in the first place. And if they don't hand it over, the Hutchinson people and the book publisher doesn't hand it over, they're going to get subpoenaed. So here's the deal. Obviously, it couldn't have happened biologically. There's no way from being in the back seat of the uh, presidential limousine that you could reach across and even come close to grabbing the wheel. Now, why is this a big deal? It's not this specific instance, although it is critical to the left those that were operating the January 6th committee because she was part of the Trump administration. She was in the White House. She's one of those that supposedly knew a lot about the actions of President Trump. I get that, and everybody else does, and she used it. She got a book deal, and that's the reason the story she told, she got the book deal. So what about this, this um, having to come before that whatever committee is, I'm not sure he didn't mention which committee it is, and testify about that, subpoena her, and she doesn't show up, or she shows up and doesn't have the information. I promise you, she's going to try to dodge it 
in any way possible, especially if she can't say, I know this factually. She obviously wasn't riding in that limousine. She probably wasn't even at the White House that day. I don't know. That's the big point of all this. We don't know. We've got to rely on outside information. So she made, and Nancy Pelosi's January 6th committee made her testimony be really big in the charade that they put together to go after Donald Trump. And they supposedly did it with facts, with evidence, with testimony, none of which will we ever see. Why is that, Dan? Well, the Democrats, five days before the Congress changed and Kevin McCarthy became the House Speaker, they mysteriously destroyed, they first encrypted, but then destroyed 117 pages of those testimonies that people made. Now, recently, under Speaker Johnson, Mike Johnson, they found those documents, but they're trying their best to break, get into them, but they're encrypted, and they don't have the necessary credentials to do that. I'm sure there's somebody on planet Earth that can take care of it, but but my point is, there's a lot of stuff flying around out there that's not factual, and people are weaponizing it. People are humans. People are prone to find ways to push themselves farther in some direction in which they need to go. It may be money. It may be positions in an operation. It may be just getting your name out there for future chances to do things or make things or be a part of things. That's part of human nature. But when we take a step and what we're doing is illegal, she lied under oath. If that evidence comes out and proves that she did or proves that what she said wasn't actually true. And we have now discovered, you've heard them on this show, numerous examples of facts that were floated around that actually, after trials, dozens and dozens of January 6 people that were involved that are in jail today, they were sent there, but according to the testimony of some of these people, a couple of Capitol Police and other people like her, they're in jail today for it, and it's been proven with visible evidence that these people lied under oath, and at least in large part, their being in jail was because of what this testimony carried with it. This is the United States of America. This is not supposed to happen here, and we've got to stop it. If we don't stop it now, it'll never stop. It gets bigger and wider. We knew there were some. You remember when the uh, Trump-Russia probe was going on? You remember all the conservative commentators on the air when they were talking about it? They were talking about the DOJ, the FBI, the testimony, yada, yada, yada. They would all indemnify themselves at the front of, they would say, we know there are really good people in the FBI. We know where there's some really good people in the DOJ. That was kind of a qualification so that everybody that heard knew that you weren't thinking they were all bad people. And so they got a pass. 
everybody except those people at the top. We're finding out now that in large part, the entire, almost entirely, the Department of Justice is full of these hardcore sycophants that hate conservatives, hate conservatism, and are a part of a process to try to kill it forever. That's one reason why they are so aggressively going after Donald Trump. They cannot let the orange man get back into office and input more of his freedom, his conservative, controlled by the people instead of controlled by the government policies back in place. This is going to be fun to watch. But please know this, as we watch it happen, and I told you two years ago on this show, there is a massive group of people around the world that include a number in the United States that are stealthily and quietly putting a one-world government in place. And it's not just something they want to do. They're doing it. This is part of it. Have you heard about Vlad lately, Vladimir Putin? He's putting out feelers today. He's putting out feelers to see if America is ready for talks on ending the war in Ukraine with the president prepared to drop opposition to Kiev joining NATO. The Russian president is prepared to drop opposition to Kiev joining NATO, according to a new Bloomberg report. He approached senior U.S. officials last month, we hadn't heard about it till now, via an unnamed intermediary, as he said, testing the waters to discuss the ongoing war in Ukraine, two people close to the Kremlin are saying. And here's how that works. When you hear anything nationally or internationally coming out that Putin so-called said by two people close to the Kremlin, believe me, they wouldn't be saying that unless he said it or told them to say it. You, get it, you lose a head, literally, if you cross him. They further allege that Putin might be willing to consider dropping his insistence on neutral status for Ukraine and even ultimately abandon opposition to the eventual NATO membership, the threat of which has been a central Russian justification for their invasion. Like he needs a justification, right? U.S. officials said they were not aware of any overtures by Russia, and Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov denied the claim, saying, no, that is a wrong report. It absolutely does not correspond to reality. I'm sure these two people that knew if they said that and it wasn't true, <laughs> yeah, right, we believe that's going to happen. There are Russians running around saying, we got to get rid of Vladimir Putin, and we're going to do our part. Peskov said that Russia was, is, and will continue to be open for negotiations on Ukraine. Well, guys, it's been a rich day. It's been a rich week. Once again, I want to thank you. I thank you, thank you, thank you for being here, taking a part in Truth News Network, TNN Live. I appreciate what you're doing. And I would just simply request, tell somebody about this and give them a link and get them to come by and listen. I love input. You can always reach me, dan at truthnewsnet.org, dan at truthnewsnet.org. Love to hear your input. Love to know your thoughts. And I tell you what, we'll have our bullet, bullet point stories up tomorrow morning when you get up. 
It's a great way to get a little bit of the news, maybe most of it or some of it you miss during the week that are important things, and relax while you do it. It's an easy format in which to, if you don't want to get into all the nitty-gritty of a story, you just click the next bullet point and take it right to take it take it right to it. So you have a great and wonderful weekend. And we'll be back together what? 9 a.m. Central Time on Monday morning. Have a great one. And smile a lot. It could be worse, whatever it is, right? See you Monday morning. Without you isn't worth the trouble of